Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you how they saw the news from the past month. This is episode number 33 for March 2000, no, February 2010. And welcome to the Phileas Club. This is indeed the show for February as uh, we are recording in March, but we're talking about what happened ah. the month before. <laughs> there was some internal debate in, amongst the hosts as to the proper uh, naming convention. The hosts are the wonderful Turkey from Saudi Arabia. How is it going for you? Hey, married yet? I'm doing well. Are you married yet? Uh, oh, yes. May you tell him. Oh, he's not answering. Okay. I said Next May fifth. Oh, oh, May fifth. Okay. <laughs> May fifth. Wow, yes. that's super exciting. Am I invited? <laughs> hey, who's invited? Come on. Am I invited? Come on. If if you can I make think, it, I to think Saudi, you're, you're now awkward. <laughs> well, if, you're, if you I can do. make it to Saudi, you're more than welcome. The, the only thing I require is you know uh, housing and the plane ticket. But you know, you're you're Saudi. You you guys are all bathing in in uh, petrol and you know in oil <laughs> all the time, right? You can you can you can pay uh, for you know all the listeners of the show who want to come and congratulate you. Aren't you're you seriously? Rich? You, you seriously need to get the camera on because you need to see my face at the moment. <laughs> I'm just imagining the gas station. You've got unleaded gas and then bathed by a Saudi gas. <laughs> and that, that's. If if I'm that rich. (laughs) That wonderful voice you're hearing is John from, where are you from again? I mean, the U.S. and on the East Coast. I'm from Connecticut. Connecticut, right. Um, I always want to ask that question, and I always forget to give some context context of uh, where people are when we're talking. Turkey, what's, uh, for me in Paris, the time is half past five in the afternoon. What's the time for you? Turkey. At the moment, it's seven past. Uh, it's half past seven. And for you, uh, John, uh, it is half past eleven a.m. We're covering a you know a fair part of the world at the moment. That's pretty good. Uh, so thanks, thanks you both, both, phew, both for coming back. And another, there's another time zone, right? I'm sorry. There's another time zone. There right? is, Jen is joining us from London. How's it going? Yes, indeed. Uh, it's going all right, yeah. Um, it's starting to feel a bit more like spring here, almost. So. Oh, dude. Hey, wait I... a minute. Where's your accent? <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> I am not a native of these lands. Were you been... still in the U.S. last time you came on the show? 
I believe I was yeah. at the time. I think it's been about a year. Wow. Um, since I've been on the show. Yeah. So now you're settled uh, in London. I think you moved right after the last show or something like yes, that. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've, I moved um, a little over a year ago back to London so um, from the time. Yeah. Are you re-acclimatating? To, uh... Yeah, I think so. I, I, did, I do find that after a year in Florida, the weather hits me a little harder here. But <laughs> um, other than that, it's actually been quite nice. Yeah. yeah. I've been getting back into the swing of things. Nice. I've, uh, I, I went to the reason we're doing the show in March, um, and not at the end of the previous month as we, we are supposed to do it. Uh, last week I was in, um, in Finland and you know, in Paris, it's starting to get a little bit warmer. It's not snowing at all. And rain is becoming a little bit more sparse and the sun is coming out regularly and all of this. And, I go to Finland, I land, and it's like the freaking moon. They have like 20 centimeters of snow. I went out to walk on the freaking sea. It's like it, there was the sea was completely iced wow. up. And it was still like the middle of the heaviest of winters. It was really annoying. Wow. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was really nice to be walking on the sea but the 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 it was like going back in time uh back into winter was super weird mm. yeah our our fun. weather here has been up and down like that all winter yeah it's uh, yeah new england's been getting hammered by all my boston people are just saying oh here comes another snowstorm <laughs> yeah it's it's <laughs> it been like awful every two weeks there's been a blizzard hitting the air there was one where it was like little like three times in a two weeks uh period it was, mm. ugh. Mm. and then it got like instantly really warm, and then another storm storm hit the next day. <laughs> well, that's climate change for you. Yeah, maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. I will have, a, however, be going back to Finland next week, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, anyway, okay, let's start talking about things that are more important than the weather, like, for example, guess what's happening again for the third month in a row. Uh, revolutions everywhere, mm. of course. I mean, before we started the show, I was sort of talking to you guys and, and going like, so is there anything else happening in the world? Uh, because at least in France... The, the Are you getting bored with revolution, Patrick? <laughs> well... I am. <laughs> I'm not exactly getting bored with it, but I'm thinking about it as a producer for the show, and I'm thinking, like, people listening are going to get bored. Although there is some interesting new developments and novelties in the revolutionary agenda in the Middle East. I mean, there's been things happening in, in Tunisia still, in in, um, in Egypt, and even in, in Algeria a little bit. Bahrain obviously has been very active, Yemen even, even uh, a little bit. But I think the most interesting thing is obviously what's been happening in Libya um, and what's been happening with Colonel uh, Gaddafi. I don't know how, mm. how you guys pronounce it in, in American. We say Gaddafi. Maybe it's Gaddafi. Yeah. yeah. No, Gaddafi. Um, yeah. So the, the way I was approaching it last month and the month before that was, you know, Tunisia went smoothly. Um, Egypt was a little bit more of a of a question mark, but it ended up working quite well. 
there was, of course, you know, questions of the Muslim Brotherhood um, in both these cases that have surfaced again. But in the case of Libya, it's a whole other animal. Uh, there might have been a few fears of violence in Egypt, but in Libya, it really feels like Colonel Gaddafi uh, is not going to go down without a fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that was the impression already before because we sort of had this image of Gaddafi and the, 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 the violent regime. And obviously, as everyone knows, he's been a, an actual terrorist for quite a long time. Mm. Um, and then the, the, the point, I'll talk more about Gaddafi, but the turning point in the view of uh, the regime was when he did his first um, message to the population where he went from weirdo dictator to completely insane Bond villain. Are, are, you, mm. are you talking about the, the one with the umbrella and the truck? I don't remember an umbrella and a truck. I think that, oh, that was when he and the was... the hat? Yeah, okay. when he was coming out. No, I think he was actually like a full-on uh, televised message, you know, with the, in front of the, of the camera in the studio. Mm. Yeah, oh, right. talk about the second one. Yeah, exactly. The second one yeah. was the in front of the truck, and uh, it it was almost unbelievable because you know you have. I, I'm talking about our perception here, and I think everyone not obviously that's not necessarily on TV, but everyone in the population was in disbelief because you have real world dictators which are sometimes you know very violent, but they're still wearing suits and they're. Address, they have a, a, a grasp on reality and they're violent people with great designs on, on power and maybe sometime uh, egomaniacal, but they're still actual people. Uh, Gaddafi sa- seemed like, in this message, seemed he, he was always a little bit eccentric. You know, he travels mm-hmm. with his tent and with his camels and servants and all of that. But and with his this uh, bodyguards. Message, yeah. Female bodyguards. <laughs> And, and in this message... Was he Charlie Sheen? <laughs> well, they might have, uh, you know, they might be friends if they started hanging out. But with this message, he really turned into, like, I'm saying Bond villain. It's it, The only thing that was missing was the, the, the cat that he would be stroking on his lap. It was yeah. unbelievable. You know, he was talking about... Um, I, I'm sure everyone have seen, has seen the... Um, the, the speech, but he was talking about how the kids were, who were, if it was a few kids on drugs being drugged by outside forces who were doing, you know, the, the riot, the, the, they were rioting. And he was, look, his face, his looks, his, his everything yes. came, make, made him out to be, discredited him completely as a, a, a man of politics and made him into a crazy person, like a crazy person that you point to in the street and you laugh if you're a little bit cruel. I do wonder if um, some of that sort of um, that crazy person image and the the humor almost behind it and all that kind of stuff, um, discrediting, I've noticed that social media uh, has really taken quite a lot of pointing and laughing going on with with him and i i do wonder sometimes if had this been covered pre-social media times where a lot of our news now filters through social media rather than through news agencies um i do wonder sometimes 
would it have looked different to us? I don't think so. I mean, I personally, I think from the, the, like he's, he looks batshit crazy. Like that is like, true. He does. Like, he, he does it, like there's no crazy. denying that. I don't think you need the, the, the social media glasses or goggles to, yeah. to, to see that. But I think it definitely is more people know that because of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's more widespread. Know that, you know, uh, known, uh, because it, it, it's talked about so much, but I mean, yeah. mainstream media, as soon as those videos came out, were like, this guy's nuts. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I, it is absolutely true. I have to say, I was discussing it with my friends outside of, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and everyone was still, you know, without the, the first 10 minutes, everyone was like, Are, although, you know what, I'm, it's funny, I didn't even really notice it, but I remember now seeing messages on Twitter pointing out, you know, Gaddafi is speaking to the people because he was not talking for a few weeks before that, and a few messages were like, Gaddafi is talking to his people and has no grasp on reality or looks like a madman. And so it might be mm. also a sentiment that's being relayed by... Uh, because certainly in the actual media, uh, no one was saying Gaddafi looks crazy. People were saying, you know, he seems to not understand what's happening in the country or he's yeah. saying this and reports from the ground indicate <laughs> otherwise. Or no one was, you know, in, in the proper journalism world saying that guy is insane. That shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that is when um, things get sort of reported formally and, and within a formal language, I think it does kind of shift a little bit of the perception of it. Whereas that, that filter doesn't have to exist in terms of how it gets disseminated in social media, right? which I find kind of interesting. I just, yeah, yeah. which is, it's sort of a bit of a side thing, but um yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure he would have. He would have still looked crazy, but maybe that you know made it a little bit more uh, apparent. So, well, so it's, it's, you're, if you're... you start going back though, like at, like to other things, because I think I think someone there was somebody reported uh, looking back at what, like a trip that he made. I forget what country he went to, but he made a diplomatic trip that was apparently very very boring. But the only thing that they came out of this was that he was wearing a pinstripe suit and the pinstripes were actually his name written over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) There was a, uh, a fantastic piece, which it was a fashion magazine. Can't remember which one, um, (laughs) where they showed, they made it sort of compilation of all his outfits that the most extravagant ones. And, they they all make him, you know, he was wearing traditional African um, clothes and sometimes he had like um, suits with Africa symbols everywhere. Like the, the pattern would be Africa symbol. I mean, it's it's sort of difficult to explain, but it did look extremely, extremely weird and certainly helped in, in uh, de- depicting that image. But j- just to be clear, you people only now figured out he's not case. So that's another. Well, I, I want to go back. I think to he's, that. now we're noticing because he's like we, now we care. I, I want to go back <laughs> to that to that you know new perception of him in, in a second. But be, before that, I just want to make make uh, clear. So in the UK and the US, you you guys also had these discussions amongst you know your <laughs> friends saying, "Wow, he's he's a bad you know basket yeah. case." Yeah. 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 So what what about you, Turkey? I'm I'm sort of putting us, you know, um, the Western world, uh, strict Western world outside of the the on one side of the conversation. 
And I'm going to go back to you, Turkey, a few times during this show going like, so how is it in the Middle East? Because for some reason, I'm, 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 I, I'm thinking there would be cause for a different line of thought. Um, well, Gaddafi has always been known as a nutcase. Hmm. He's, he's been crazy since forever. Everybody knows him here. Like nobody well, was surprised. Well, it's shocked. not like it, it's not like we thought he was, you know, a legitimate, uh, respectable person before. It's just that we didn't put him in the Bond villain, almost, you know, movie story like crazy. So you I hear um, in have... the movie that Christopher Walken will be playing his part. <laughs> oh. oh, that would work. So f- for yeah. you, Turkey, you're saying that well, you, you knew well, exactly. exactly what he was for a long time. Yeah, everybody knows Gaddafi, at least in the Middle East. He's, he's one of the most crazy people ever. He's, uh, uh, people used to compare him to Saddam Hussein. And, 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 uh, and Saddam Hussein might have been uh, a dictator and evil and everything, but he was not crazy. Yeah. This guy is yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like, Saddam was a bit of an, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so this guy Saddam is just would be... plain and crazy. This guy only travels in his tent. All around the world. He refuses to live in a hotel. He brings his tent with him wherever he goes and, and puts it outside the hotel and stays and meets people inside it. Seriously, you don't think that's just a, well, the first symbol of crazy? No, sure. I mean, we knew that. Uh, and I'll go back to this. He came to, to France a few months ago, and that was, you know, one of the things. But we knew that. And by the way, he sleeps in the hotel. He only meets people in the tent, yeah. apparently. And then, but, and then... And how about Italy when he tried to convert all those young women to Islam? Yeah, that's... But, I mean, uh, that and, and was... Do you, do you remember the advertisement he put in the newspaper inviting those women? <laughs> I, it rings a bell. They had to be a specific height, <laughs> and they had to wait a specific way, and they mm. have did to it, have a long Did he list cup size? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but he specified <laughs> hot women. In other words, you know, and he invited them and paid them. And then when they came in and they were so excited, they thought it was a party, only that he came out and started lecturing them about Islam and then giving them a copy of the Quran. And women looked at him and said, what? This is the party we came for? But, you know, it's we we obviously we all had a notion that he was at least weird. But I think no one understood that he was Kim Jong-il crazy. Yeah. You mm. never read his book, The Green Book, have you? No, no, I have not. Then you have to go and and read it, and you'll find out how crazy he is. Mm. Oh my God! Okay. You do know he has a book that's called The Green Book, or Kitab al Akhbar in Arabic. Actually, yeah, I've heard about it. It's basically his view of uh, politics, Africa. religion, and every. No, it's it's his book of politics. Mm. It's it's like the Constitution, or in Islam, you would say it's like the Bible in Christianity, the Quran in Islam. Like, it's the book you have to follow to live. Okay. So, it's a manifesto. Yeah, his manifesto. And actually, uh, for one part, for example, he made this great uh, thing where he discovered, according to his book, a man is male, a female is a... A woman is a female. He what? See? what? He discovered he... that a man is a male <laughs> and a woman is a female. He, he checked... He, he went around, he put an ad out in the papers. Yeah. That his said, research has discovered that, and he wrote it in his book, declaring that a man is male <laughs> and a woman is a female. Well, you know, someone had to realize, come to that realization oh, at some that's point. That's the Maybe book I read. Him. 
<laughs> I read that when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're saying basically in Saudi Arabia, this is no big news and everyone knew. Uh, you're saying not only in Saudi Arabia, but in the Middle East, he has the, been the weirdo for a long time. Because I think... Uh, He's more known here because uh, when he ever speaks, it's always in Arabic. So, mm-hmm. and it's broadcast on TV, so everybody sees him when he's yeah. talking. And clearly, this guy is a complete. And he loves conspiracy theories. Mm. Mm. Everything is a conspiracy. Yeah, a little paranoid. Like, yes, everything. Everything is a conspiracy. He talked about aliens. He <laughs> talked about. I'm sorry. Uh, what? Aliens. <laughs> Well, he is next to Egypt, and we all know yeah. that you know Egypt was settled by aliens. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Can we put on our tin hats again? Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. He declared Shakespeare is originally an Arab. Oh, really? Yeah. And his name is actually Sheikh Zubair, which means uh, the Sheikh, and his name is Zubair. Oh wow. Yeah. Apparently, that's that's you the know, that's truth interesting. I didn't I didn't know that. Yes, yes, that's the truth of Shakespeare. He's not actually an English man. Wow. He's Arab. He's Arab. He was it translates you know, incredibly well. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm finding the coverage of this kind of interesting because it seems to be all about him being crazy, yet there are battles going on in cities and people, I mean... It's, I don't it's think it's hell about that. No, though. that's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> actually what I wanted to go into now because we're, we've been having fun and, and you know, laughing about all of this, but another thing that was being reported very seriously, it started with the militia, the, the, his, you know, African, Africa strength guarding militias that were yeah. hired guns from, uh, you know, other uh, countries that would come in and, and basically do his bidding, which means killing people in Libya. And that was also very much reported on. I guess that was a bigger news item um, in, mm-hmm. in London, maybe? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot about the um, sort of the progression of cities mm. being taken and not, you know, in some ways it's, you know, it's a civil war at this point. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah. And it's um, and I find it interesting that they're not really calling it a civil war. Mm. Well, the, I mean, the the thing about that, I, I've, I've heard that discussion uh, in the media of is this a civil war and they're terming yeah. it a, a revolution versus a civil war because it's not – it's against a regime. It's not against ideologies. It's not a battle of internal ideologies between you know, a part, you know, different parts of the country. It's a battle against the government itself. Um, this is true, yeah. So it, it, de- yeah. it definitely is more of it's 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 a revel. You know, th- if there is a, a difference, I think it's a matter of I think it's almost how equal it is and how long it goes out. You know, like yeah. if this keeps going on for long and the government essentially dissolves, but you still have the forces remaining and the fight remaining, this could very well devolve into a civil war. Yeah, yeah. And, I and guess if, it's it's. I get the impression uh, think, that the government's a bit more dissolved a civil war already. It is a civil war already. Uh, you need you need to look into Libya. It's a lot like uh, it's somewhat like Saudi Arabia that it's based on tribes. Muammar Gaddafi mm-hmm. has been smart, and he made sure there is no real military power there. He relied on tribes being fighting each other and being and him being in the middle, uh, being uh, guiding them. So uh, that's where his strength is, that there is no real military power in, in Libya. The military is weak. 
it doesn't really have that much power. It's not that's why military could not control anything. They couldn't stop the opposition if they wanted to support Gaddafi. They couldn't overrun Gaddafi if they wanted to, to overrun him. Because they mm. are hardly even trained. They're hardly equipped. They are very mm-hmm. poor. The only people who are very well equipped and very strong are his personal uh, military, which is uh, mostly run by his children. Mm. And, and that's where his power is. And, uh, and when you have a tribal situation where tribes fight with other tribes or against other tribes, Libya basically has always been in a civil war. It's been a tiny civil war. You hardly hear it. It's between one, one tribe and another tribe. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that resolves quickly from time to time or they let it running. But now it's becoming a huge war. And uh, you have uh, all the tribes are uniting. Many of them are uniting against Gaddafi. Gaddafi still has, has his own tribe supporting him up till now. And there are some minorities who are supporting him. And plus, he's pumping a lot of money to Africa and uh, hiring all of these mercenaries to come and support mm-hmm. him and fight for him. There was definitely a little bit of, uh, you know, talk about the, the tribe uh, dynamic at some point. I think when the first, just before the first speech happened, people were starting to think, okay, that's done for, you know, the, the, the movement is too large, the West has fallen already, the, the people are marching on the east of the country and they, they're going to be there very possibly soon. And then... Um, there were a couple of uh, mentions of the fact that, for example, uh, jet fighters uh, landed, I, I can't remember where, it might have been Malta or something, because the people, uh, the pilots, didn't want to actually bomb the targets that they Yeah, were. that was Malta. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So at, at that point, a couple of journalists, not all of them, but a couple of journalists mentioned these pilots weren't, you know, they didn't say it like that, but it, they, they were saying basically they didn't want to bomb their own tribes, and that's mm. why they didn't do it. it but, but it was, most of the people were saying they didn't want to bomb the people, as, you know, they were they didn't want to kill their own people, so they refused to do it. So people were thinking, okay, the, the country is going to go the same way as Egypt and, uh, and Tunisia. And then uh, there were a few mentions of the tribes and now it's looking more and more like an you know revolution civil war where we're getting talks every you know every day with journalists on the ground of you know we are in this city and the the revolutionary forces are advancing more and more but there there are violent fights and people are are dying and the toll the, you know the death toll is this high and this high and this high and most of the reporting is about that um yeah, I mean, we had the, this morning, uh, they've just, uh, there was a big fight in, where was it, Zawiya, um, and they, I mean, that was, that went out on Twitter, Reuters is is pushing it big, but um, mm-hmm. they, they basically, the military came in and started, um, you know, uh, shelling, base, you know, the, the center of the town um, where all these rebels are, and a bunch of people were killed, but yet the rebels still hold it so it, it's mm-hmm. it's a very weird like it's very bloody and at the same time the the opposition forces are holding their own uh mm. in, in in a large respect other than i would say they you know we still have yet to see what's going to happen with tripoli itself mm. yeah yeah uh, one thing i was wondering about is um oil 
it, it, it seems like no one is really... There were a few, you know, mentions of, oh, the old prices are really rising quite a bit, but no one is talking about the oil in Libya, um, at least in France. And since, you know, the Americans are probably more... Uh, obsessed with that issue than everyone else, I would think maybe they would talk about it. Um, I don't think so. I, I think that's the that's the unspoken thing. You know, it's what everybody knows. It's what motivates our country uh, as far as foreign policy goes. So I think it's something that everybody understands and knows, and everyone's waiting for what to happen. We're we're not going to sit there and go, you know, like you know, oh yeah, the the rebels captured an oil town. Uh, <laughs> yay for us. That's actually probably bad for us technically. But yeah. I mean, who knows what? It, I don't think anybody knows what it means. Um, uh, it, other than that, all of this happening is a is is dangerous in general. Um, for us, you know, uh, I think as far as foreign policy goes, we like as much as we like democracy and and the idea of toppling dictators. We also like the status quo, and we've liked it that way for the past, you know, however, you know, twenty years mm-hmm. he's been in power. Yeah. And that's, that's he has been in power for forty years. Forty years, thank you. Yeah, yeah but he he was officially a terrorist before, so it wasn't you know it only switched <laughs> in you know. He was a fairly trendy topic. Like he, he popped up a lot in the eighties, you know, yeah. it was a lot of stuff about him, but then he kind of disappeared for a lot of the nineties. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting how he cycled through the American consciousness at least. Well, there, there's definitely, let's, let's talk about this then. Um, there's so much to talk about this. I want to talk about, you know, um, the, the conundrum of actually sending troops there or not, and the, the role of the U S and the EU in that. But since you're talking about his, his sort of image, uh, throughout the past few decades, um, Turkey, you were saying it, it's you're only finding out that he's insane now. And although that's the case, I was also a little bit surprised slash annoyed at the fact that a lot of people were now um, saying, hey, Gaddafi is a horrible terrorist and he's a terrible person. And look at this. Our government, in the case of France, but, you know, I'm sure everyone was doing it everywhere. Our government received him as a a statesman uh, that many months ago or that many years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's very frustrating for me because every government has been doing that. And Mm -hmm. the the few months ago, I I remember being... You know, it's not like I'm I'm thinking the world is a fairy tale and everything can happen perfectly. But I was a little bit annoyed that at least I would say, you know, on Twitter or something like that, Gaddafi is here. This is disturbing. You know, he's not he's actually a freaking terrorist. He ordered attacks and bombings and things like that of terrorist mm-hmm. nature. And now we're acting as if nothing happened. And this is you know, this sucks. Which is not exactly the same approach when you have other, quote-unquote, regular dictators that mm. you, you do business with because this is the real world. Um, and so it was annoying to me that people would go now, uh, wow, the, he's a horrible terrorist. And a few months ago, no one cared, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like I'm asking everyone to know everything about everything, but this seems like a pretty obvious thing to be waking up about now. I don't know if you guys had the same um, sort of reaction. 
Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, now we care. There's there's now there's reason to care for the past. However long there hasn't been reason to care because it's been status quo. It, it hasn't it hasn't affected us. It's affected those people, you know, the people no, sure. in that country. I'm, I'm sorry, John, just to, to make clear what I'm saying. What I, what is annoying me is that people now are pointing the finger at the governments that received him at the time. But they're doing it now as if. They disapproved of it back then when, in fact, they didn't back then. Back then, yeah. they didn't care. Right. And, and it's like, you know, all of a sudden, the Americans come in France, and all of a sudden, no one, you, no one liked the Nazis. You know, they, they turn around and like, oh, I hated those guys. Yes, I was a good, you know, I was in the, in the forest fighting the Nazis. I never gave anything to them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, you were having lunch with the nazi general yesterday okay my well, so basically what, what's annoying is that you're the hypocrisy of exactly thank the you. view yes i mean it, it there is a hypocritical view going on with you know sort of as it suits the these other countries to treat these dictators it it's a basically these countries do start treating these dictators as what best suits them and um if at the time just sort of treating him as a statesman rather than a terrorist or a well it annoyed know. me but what what is that annoys me and has annoyed me for a long time what really annoys me now is the attitude of the people who are saying you know who are being hypocritical yeah. because back then they didn't say anything and now they're saying oh they shouldn't have done it by then it was terrible when well, at the time they were taking the contracts and not saying anything everyone ha- i mean as far as politics go everyone has the right answer right now yeah. and tomorrow yeah. they'll have a completely different answer but it will be the right answer and they were right all along sure i mean mm-hmm. it's just i mean it's just the way we think and work yeah. it, you know we don't i i feel like people don't aren't quite as conscious about the own change that they go through ideologically or, or whatever and, and, and can't admit when they even, even change their mind or their view has changed. So they just yeah. always state things as this is what I believe and this is what is fact and, and this is what is real, even though deep down they know this is going to change and they're going to change in the next month, a year, 10 years. Um, and so and when they get to that change, they're they're going to look back and completely forget everything they just were, which is pretty yeah. much how politics in America works. Well, I, it, it seems like that issue of Qaddafi was very clear a few months ago already, you know, it, mm-hmm. and, and so that one specifically is maybe more annoying to me than the others. But um, mm-hmm. I, I want to go back to, to Turkey a little bit for a second because I'm really curious to know how the media has been talking about not only, you know, Qaddafi himself, but maybe this whole movement because it, it, it would seem like there is a certain wind of, you know, a certain attitude of um, more modernism, uh, maybe on the social, you know, uh, in a social um, uh, way in Saudi Arabia, meaning that, of course, the situation is still a little bit um, peculiar, but there, there are movements going more to the Western side of things very slowly. But at the same time, um, it, I, I wouldn't think that the, the media and the power in place in Saudi Arabia would want to prop up these uh, revolutions too much for fear that it would happen in Saudi Arabia also, mm. and especially with Bahrain, you know, being so close to it, uh, there, there is a real danger there. Anything you can say about that? 
it's it's not exactly that way. Bahrain is is kind of unique compared to Saudi Arabia. Bahrain, the problems there and the uprising, it's uh, diversity. The Shias are uprising against the Sunni government. Mm. So you have two different sects that are fighting to control the country. So that's kind of a, a bit different than in Saudi Arabia, as an effect. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, there's the, the news is covering Libya heavily. Uh, the uh, satellite channels, you have an Arabia news channel, which is a competitor for Al Jazeera, and Al Arabia is owned by Saudis, and it's semi-run by the government in its own way, uh, even though it's independent, and it's been covering the entire Libya thing very heavily, mm. and it's been uh, attacking Qaddafi very hard. And so it's there are coverage. Saudi Arabia is going to be a lot different. Saudi Arabia uh, has its own uniqueness. Uh, an uprising here would be very, very difficult, and in my personal opinion, unlikely. There might be some people uh, moving around or trying to organize demonstrations. I think there were a couple of demonstration attempts that uh, were completely failed by the government. And basically, the reason for all of that is Saudi Arabia is very, very tribal, uh, very religious. And the people who are doing all of these uprisings and, uh, and so on and revolutions are, if you go and look at them, are either the working class that are, who are very desperate for money and jobs or young uh, people who are uh, into more in, on the liberal side of life. So, and here in Saudi Arabia, you have a lot of tribes. Uh, any uprising, any democracy in Saudi Arabia would be met with a lot of problems where there's still, uh, so, let's say in Saudi Arabia, people still, there's a lot of people, a huge percentage of the population still don't recognize themselves as Saudi citizens first. Mm. Mm. So there's not no clear national conscience. Exactly. There's no clear national conscience. A majority in Saudi Arabia still see of them as from this tribe or from that tribe or this family or that family first. And Saudi maybe second or third. Mm. So that's the problem. So if you don't have the something to unify everybody under one banner, which is we are, and even the Islamic banner, they're not unified under it. So People would look, go. I would if we would rate uh, their loyalty. They are first loyal to their tribes, second mm-hmm. loyal to the to Islam, third loyal to Saudi mm. Arabia as a government, as a country. So the, an uprising would be very, very difficult. It won't have, and it will be very divided. And uh, it's it's not it won't work that much. And today, mm-hmm. so the Saudi ministry clearly declared any demonstrations are officially, religiously even banned and illegal. Oh, so, so there is still a little bit of, you know, worry or concern. The concern the- is that definitely there will be people who would go out for demonstrations, but would it affect? Would it if it will have a temporary effect? Like there would be problems maybe uh, within local areas and so on. But as a, a whole, in, in a government reshuffling or a, or a downfall of a government or overthrowing or something like that, like Egypt or something like Tunisia or even Libya. Libya is the most closest thing to what Saudi Arabia might happen, which is a civil war. Mm. 
if anything, as bad as the, that happens. So you're thinking that most of the people would actually not want to go down that road for fear that it wouldn't result in anything other than chaos in the country. Exactly. I think mm. in my personal opinion, and I think there's a lot of people who share this opinion, but that Saudi Arabia is not yet ready. Yeah, how does a country move from such a tribal-based system to to a more unified nationalism, uh, you know, point of view? Um, you know, if you look at, like, I mean, I guess it happened technically, I mean, Britain it happened in. Um, I mean, does it have to become, do you have to get such a, you know, a, a, just a large majority of one sort of point of view and have that take over for such a long, for such a long period of time and then they have that pull back a little bit to become more even or like what historically what what does a country have to go through because i think america is a very different uh i would think sort of personally view i think personally the main ingredient which turkey was talking about earlier is you know social unrest would come from poverty and need mm. you know mm. yeah and from that point of view, maybe it's my, you know, Westerner idealized view of Saudi Arabia, but I would think that most of the people, you know, the, 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 the actual really poor population would be too limited anyway. Mm. Well, I wouldn't say that. There is a, a decent number of uh, poor people in the country, and there are a lot of people who are complaining about the situation. But if we are, let's, if I'm going to compare Saudi Arabia, for example, to Egypt, Definitely Saudi people are way better than the situation in Egypt or the situation in Tunisia or other many of the other Arab countries. And it would, uh, seem, from, yeah. it would seem from what you've been telling us uh, and, you know, when I've been talking to you for the past few years, that there is a genuine, I don't know what you can say about this on the air, but it seems that there is actually for all the uh, concern and, and um, uh you know, worries, there is a genuine care for the king and the royal fa family, uh, which would mm. make the situation very different from these other countries where it was actually dictatorships, where the people were not happy at all with a dictator that was seen as abusive and, you know, illegitimate. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, there is a lot of people who are, who do support the royal family. And I uh, and definitely the current king, King Abdullah, is one of the most popular kings in Saudi Arabia. And he is supported by a, a big majority of people. Uh, and, and that's where the differences come. The, if, if an uprising does happen in Saudi Arabia, the uprising is, won't be is, uh, against overthrowing the government or the monarchy. Any uprising would come is for change in uh, policies and in government. But not the monarchy. Uh, there are there are a, mi a minority that will demand an overthrow of the monarchy, but those are a minority that really have no power, yeah, uh, at least for now. At this phase of history uh, of Saudi Arabia, that's what I believe, and that's what I'm getting the impression of. Do you so, do you think that uh, Saudi Arabia could like if there if there were a move like what what's the next move for Saudi Arabia? Would they would Saudi Arabia more likely move to some sort of parliamentary system style thing um, if they were to go towards that? And that's the problem. We still have that problem. We still haven't. We started. We had one elections in our entire history, basically, which was I think four or five years ago, which was for municipality. 
elections, uh, the mm. municipality, uh, govern, uh, I don't know, council, municipality council. Uh, so that was very small. The elections went through. However, there were so many problems, so many mistakes in that election that the municipal the, that the new elections should have happened last year. They delayed it, mm. and and they are having a problem trying to figure Be- out. And then you because have of this- irregularities, or because they just didn't know how to hold an election. Or- they didn't know how to hold the election. You have this mm. huge problem. For example, this is this this is Saudi Arabia. We in Saudi Arabia right now in Riyadh, you have the Riyadh International Book Expo, right now, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where the chance. There's a lot of books that come into the expo that are usually banned from being sold in Saudi sure. Arabia. People go and buy them from the expo, so it's kind of more liberal. Mm-hmm. And this year is one of the most liberal years where they allowed more books than usual that are usually banned. So, and you had this exhibition, and it's open for families, so women and men can go in and mix together and shop and buy books and look and everything. And you had this about 500 conservatives who went into that expo and started harassing the women, demanding they cover up or leave, harassing the booksellers, this is a forbidden book, this is against Islam, harassing the buyers, fighting with them. So you have... If you have this type of people, you have a problem of trying to figure out how to make the right system because you still have these people who think that unless you do what they say, you are the devil and you should be killed. Mm. Yeah, that mm. certainly paints a, a grim picture in the case of a, uh, a movement that would demand change. Mm. Yes, and, and these people mm. are still in power. They are still, and and you would be, and you would. Actually, if you come, this is what people don't really realize. You come to Saudi Arabia and you like live in it for a while. You see different type of people, and you would think, and depending on the environment you're in, these are open-minded people, mostly blah blah blah, and they support and they want and they so on. When reality comes to mind, for example, we have this book thing, books book expo thing. If you go read all the comments on the websites that have reported this, you will find at least 80% supporting these extremists mm. and what they Oh, do. supporting the extremists. Yes, 80% mm. supporting the extremists. So you still have the majority of people who still think that uh, Islam in an extreme way, and they support okay. them. Even uh, if you meet a, let's meet, you meet a teenager, and you would find him liberal, he loves to dance, he loves to party, and so on. But just tell him, well, would you allow your mom to drive? He would go crazy. Mm. How dare you say something like that? My mom should it's not allowed to drive. It's disgusting as an idea, and it's against our faith. All right. Um, the, as interesting as this was, I don't want to turn the show into uh, discussing the state of Saudi Arabia, uh, for the whole show at least. Um, <laughs> I, 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 before we move on from revolutions, there's an, one last uh, topic I want to address, which is the terrible conundrum that the international community is in, and oh, yeah. especially uh, the U.S. and you know their little brother, the U.K. Um, <laughs> it's certainly you know it feels at least the way it's being reported on is you know the U.S. and 
Unsurprisingly, the UK wants the same thing. Although at this point, we don't really know what anyone wants. Mm-hmm. So basically, the question is: Do we send troops to prevent a, a what is shaping up to be a terrible massacre? With one risk being that Gaddafi still has biological weapons that he could potentially use. Mm-hmm. Which definitely not. Definitely not. Well, it's, it's funny. That I mean, was a horrible, you know? horrible idea. Yeah, 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 but, exactly. But, but, I mean, look at what's on the table here. Uh, the, the main thing that they're discussing is creating a no-fly zone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the thing that actually kind of impressed me was, you know, uh, was it um, – I, I, I forget who came out and said it, but multiple military people came out and said, look, do you guys understand what a no-fly zone entails? It means mm-hmm. going to war. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it means going in and bombing on the ground. Well, you have to bomb their things, the, out, take out their things. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's you have to take this control. Is not air, a light of the, decision of the airstrips on the ground and then destroy them. Yeah, um, but so yeah, basically, from what we understand, um, the the populations there wouldn't mind having help from you know the international community, and what no one really wants from what we understand is for the u.s to unilaterally even though in this case it would be you know possibly once in a decade good reason for going in and doing stuff um no one wants the u.s to do it because of course it would be the u.s will not get will not leave if it goes in yeah that's the other problem once you go in and we're already not leaving two other places yeah Yeah. yes (laughs) And, and by the way this is a problem for the U.S. because there is a, a strong implication of imperialism, but it would also be a problem for the EU, for example, or the UN. If they mm-hmm. did go in, well, obviously the UN more than the EU, but if they did go in, what do you do afterwards? You know, it's the Chinese saying, when you save a man's life, you're responsible for him. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, that's the way we're seeing it, and we don't have a solution here in France. We're just wondering what the hell we should do, because... If we don't do anything and people's, you know, there, there is actually a huge de- death toll increasing, it's sort of, we feel a little bit responsible for it. We're like, we're not doing anything and we could go in and as powerful as Gaddafi is, we could s- smash his forces down and pacify the region. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely, there is this, this very difficult situation where we don't know what to do so that's that's the way we're seeing it in france i'm wondering how you guys you know um are are watching it maybe let's start with with uh, jen who's been very quiet for the past oh gosh no that's all right um well it you know it's been talked about in the uk but quite frankly as far as i can see the climate here is no way in hell Mm. um would they would it be in the interest um or the capability of the UK at this point to, um, I mean, there's, they're working on pulling out of everything else and having, getting everything sort of back. And I don't think that the, um, political will kind of exists here to support that. Mm. So no one is advocating, you know, even for the, the good reasons, let's go in and save them because they're dying and they need help. Well, I mean, there are voices advocating for it, but from what I can tell the general, political feeling um is that this is not something that the uk should do okay what about the u.s with our wonderful friends at fox news for example i'm wondering what 
you know, let's not focus on them, but I'm just curious how I was are like, they you don't want this? that conversation. <laughs> just, mm. just, you know, just, just to know how they're spinning it into a disastrous situation. That's the, you know, uh, 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 because of, you know, the UN, the administration and how the Bush administration would have handled it so much better. Oh, I mean, there the, is, the, just sorry to, to preface this, there is a sort of irony here, which is obviously these revolutions are happening from the people. And it's obviously in sh- sharp contrast with uh, what happened in, you know, in, in Iraq more than Afghanistan, which is a different situation where the U.S. and Bush in particular was saying, we're going to actually give you freedom and democracy and obviously it didn't work out so well. So, mm-hmm. And everyone was saying, this doesn't work. You have to get it as a natural movement, which takes time, but it has to come from the population. So, um, yeah, with this irony, how are they spinning it? And then, more seriously, what's the consensus on, on intervening, uh, uh, going in there? I mean, as far as like things like Fox News and stuff like that, it's... It, it's the the crazies uh, the 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 sort of republican or conservative extremists in in our country in our in our media are have been boil have been building this sort of uh uh turmoil based around like even for, uh, since egypt um and and you know how was it glenn beck i think was passing around the word caliphate nonstop as this oh, God, you know, yeah. big big new thing to learn and and this is what's going to happen and all the islamic uh, uh nations are going to new unite and take over the world and we should be very afraid of this it's the new world order it's it's been such mm-hmm. bs okay but um you know, as far as I mean, I think right now we're getting a, a, America is in the odd position of, you know, we put ourselves in the big brother of the world position. Right. And a lot of people resent us for that. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people expect certain things from us. And it's and it seems like the the U.N., to some extent, the reaction and all this talk about no fly zones and, and uh, military intervention is like um, this. We think this should happen. Hey, um, United States, do your thing. Go, go on. Oh, really? You do it. You, you guys think that we're looking, you know, eyeing you guys and, and, and going like, hey, you, you want to go? Well, in? it's all, all the people who are saying that this should happen are the people who don't have the means or wherewithal to actually do it. Well. Um, and, and so it's – and it's in the response <laughs> – that was my phone. That was no. That was my phone. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna take credit for that. I just got a text. Uh, I, uh, I brought my bucket into the room. <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I just, you know, it. It just seems like you know our our response has been very reserved. Um, you know, and and which I, I think uh, kind of backfired a little bit in Egypt. Um, but uh, I will say the thing I'm most impressed with in, as far as our response, I believe um, Obama came out, what, two days ago and said straight up, Gaddafi has to go. So, um, so how, re- how reserved is your response? As far as I know, you're moving ships to the shoreline of Libya already? I, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I don't know about our, our particular uh, uh, military movements as mm-hmm. far as that goes. Um, 
Uh, I'm sure we're, you know, we're moving stuff and positioning stuff in case something happens. And I I guarantee you the military is just, you know, doing everything they can do to prep in case the the president decides to do something. But I don't see Hmm. that actually happening because, I mean, it seems like everyone's advising against it, Um, uh, even though the U.N. is like we have to do something. And I I think the entire international um, community is is just appalled and at a loss um, because it is such a volatile situation and mm-hmm. nothing – this is – no. there's no winner out of this, um, I, I don't think. Well, yeah. if, if things go well, the Libyan people could come out you know, with democracy as their prize, which yeah, – but, Yeah, but not – I mean what I'm saying is the price that they're going to pay for that is yeah. huge. Okay, yeah. Okay. It already is. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting that you're, you're seeing this it's, – it's the – Someone less gracious than me could pin it on America's um, uh, ah. I, I have the word on the tip of my tongue. Um, Brazing ah. When you're too sure of yourself, arrogance. Thank you, arrogance. Thinking you guys think that we're looking at you to do it because our <laughs> image here and the message we're getting from the people in these countries is. Yes, we need help, you know, humanitarian, maybe military help from the U.N., but please do not send the U.S. Not just because, you know. I'm not saying that the people people in in Libya are saying that, you know, United States. I'm saying I'm talking about more specifically about the U.N. and the U.N.'s, you know, the interactions like between Britain and the United States and things like that. For us, too, even the U.N., I don't think is considering, uh, at least that's what we're hearing, considering sending the U.S. And I want to specify this, not it's not because we don't think the U.S. would actually do a good job militarily. Even, I mean, some people might think they would, but even those people would think the message that it would send in these countries would be so ne- negative and devastating for you know the 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 following the following months and years and and impact the psyche of the people in a very negative way towards the U.S., mm. even though they would come in to actually, as I was saying, it's a once-in-a-decade opportunity to, to do a good thing. Right. Mm. Uh, Turkey, you were laughing a lot? Yeah. <laughs> he was laughing at my arrogance. <laughs> yep. So, yep. but I, I guess, yeah, what's, what's you guys' view on, on the position, not just of the U.S., but, you know, it, it, it could be argued i don't know what the military forces in saudi arabia are but maybe the help coming from other arab countries would be much more welcomed and and accepted by the the you know the people actually fighting for democracy now in libya and other countries yeah is that in play at all or i think egypt should interfere Mm. they have other you know things to do now no, well, they Egypt, are. I mean, no, 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 no. Egypt has a huge army, one of the most yeah. powerful and biggest armies mm-hmm. in the region. Yeah, so but I mean, they, they have other worries at the no, moment. No, no, no. They, 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 they wouldn't have any problems, even with that. Mm. And, and, and trust me, even if they do, they would get support from the U.S., from Saudi Arabia, both financially and politically. So it's just a matter of are they willing to do it. Mm. So they, even with all the problems they're having, it, it won't really affect them that much. And actually, it would help them. With their problems. Mm. How? Well, just look at it this way. They will distract people, for one, because they're fighting a war. And two, 
most of these people are going to support this movement because it's a revolution just like what they did. So they would concentrate yeah. on that instead of concentrating on the inner problems. So I, I guess what you're saying is Egypt would be okay, but I, I'm sure the U.S. is, you know, is seen as a bad uh, alternative. The U.S., it doesn't matter if the U.S. goes in, no matter what good intentions they might have, yeah. at the end, the entire Arab and Islamic world and the socialist world or whatever are going to be very, very pissed off and be a very anti-U.S. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what about the U.N., though? What about, you know, a, an actual international community with consensus? And uh, who will lead that community? Well, you know, the UN. Uh, <laughs> End the, of story. The no, UN has no, 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 no I disagree. Anymore. There is, there is, uh, you know, there is a, a, a military, you know, force at the UN's disposition, which is not supposed to wage war, but it it could go for defense purposes. And why? Why don't but they just use the African Union force instead of the UN? I don't know. I'm just asking you what would... The, the UN would always be led by the US. It doesn't really matter. At the end so of, it would, So it what you're saying the is US. the UN would be seen as an arm of the US. It is seen as an arm of the US in the Arab yeah. world and the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And that's, this kind of goes to my point. It's like, as far as like our relationship to the UN, I mean, it, and not to say that we are the UN, but like it's... there is there's this it's like the un and then there's us and Mm -hmm. and it's it's this weird we're not really it almost i always get the the feeling like we're not really a part of the un it's like we give the un the option of being a part of the conversation (laughs) and i I think it's i mean it's horrible picture we have here it's funny well yeah well but i mean that's it it's it's not, but at the same time, like you can, I mean, you can see it that way. Because oh no, no, no absolutely. I'm not. The, I'm not saying that's the, not what it is. It's just that we have a different perception of it, which on our side might be inaccurate. You know, I'm not saying you. I I hope to God your side is right. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I I really I really do, but I just like I mean, mine's sort of more of a I like I don't I don't think I'm arrogant about my country. I think I'm cynical <laughs> about <laughs> my country, and and in terms of. Of, of where we stand in the world, and I, and I think the position that we put ourselves in has has backfired so much, and that yeah. we need to just cool off. And we've got our own damn problems, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, we've got our own. Which the, the, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, even in our rosy little world where the UN is some kind of independent organization, there's definitely the US, which is the biggest guy at the table what what my when i'm saying my you know our perception as a country is is that there are other people at the table and they also have a strong voice for some of them um what turkey and john you seem to be saying is well actually the only voice that matters is the one from the u.s I'm not saying that the U.S. is the only voice that matters to the u.n i'm saying that the u.n's voice matters a little bit less to the u.s yeah okay fair enough Jen, uh, any thoughts on this uh, fascinating topic? Um, no, I'm absolutely. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me this idea that, uh, <clears throat> in general, the the U.S. does not have a great track record for stabilizing things in the Middle East. Um, so, just from a purely logical standpoint, it doesn't strike me as wise. But um, the idea of the U.S. being able to take a backseat and support something like Egypt to go in um, seems to make much more sense. Uh, it 
that hasn't been talked about a whole lot here in the news, but I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. <laughs> well, yeah, we send them billions of dollars every year anyway, so we yeah. practically are. Yeah, but I mean, that alternative, which Turkey was talking about, of Egypt, uh, for us, we would just think, wait, they're just, you know, having their own revolution now. But that has never even been mentioned. So, mm. yeah. All right. I guess we've spent a lot of time on uh, that topic, which warranted it, definitely. Um, uh, are, are we ready to go to something else? There isn't much, but I'm sure we'll find something. Hmm. I mean, are you, do you want to go – are we doing more worldwide or do you want to go straight to locals? Um, let's do – you know, there's the earthquake in, in New Zealand, which is a tragedy. But every time we talk about a, a natural disaster, it's always, you know, hey, that happened. It sucks. Yeah. Okay. It's, and move, yeah. moving on. I mean, but... it's difficult to say sort of the natural disaster news. Usually you need to look six months to a year out afterward to see really what what the news is about it yeah that's the problem with these how about how about about something cheerful how about ipad 2 (laughs) (laughs) i um i refrain from that conversation Mm. it's just you know the ipad 2 it's always um it's top tech topics are I try to stay away from them in the Phineas mm. Club because I talk about that in every other show. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can, we can go very briefly over it. Um, definitely. I think France, from estimates, I don't know that these are the actual numbers, is the second market for Apple um, mm. in, in, you know, worldwide, which, is, which makes us very excited about the iPad 2. Um, I, I know, Jen, you're an Apple fan. Turkey, you're an Apple fan also. I'm sure you guys both like uh, the iPad, too. Oh, I'm, I mean, I haven't gotten an iPad anyway, and we, I guess we don't really need to discuss this because, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I have questions about the, the nature of that technology and how useful it is and all that kind of stuff, but that's all oh, I love a whole other topic. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's great for lots of stuff. And yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey, you, you want one? Uh, no, I'm waiting. I already have the old one. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, my... So here's the news. Uh, apparently, we did not mention Oman. Oman had some demonstrations. Mm. Uh, yep. Oman is a country that I think people hardly ever hear about. And Oman just... The Sultan of Oman just uh, uh, changed two of the ministers who were requested by the demonstrators to be removed. Hmm. So and now things might be settling down back in Oman. Cool. That so just... there's a change. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So that was uh, Turkey's opinion on the iPad too, um, and uh, <laughs> that was mm. a joke. No one. Knows. <laughs> yeah, let's talk local stuff because we're kind of we're, we're running long, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let, let's move on to. Do you have to go, Jen? If you have to go, we can. Um, yeah, I do have some time limits now. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's let's uh, talk very briefly about. Do we want to mention John Galliano? He was apparently in a in a bar in Paris and doing anti-Semitic remarks, and then everyone freaked out, and all of a sudden Dior is, you know, letting him mm. go. Um, Natalie Portman went out and said she was a little bit uncomfortable representing the brand now because Galliano was, uh, <laughs> was doing associated with it. I guess I'm a little bit cynical, but it feels like Dior would be has been having issues with the guy 
who's become very self-destructive apparently and very difficult to work with. But mm-hmm. my opinion is if they had, he's a genius, you know, in the fashion world and highly regarded, had they not had had issues with him, they would have found, found a way in their heart to forgive him and say, you know, it's really bad. We're going to give him yeah. a, a month to go rest somewhere in the countryside and he's going to be better. He said he was sorry. But now it's like, oh, horrible. You know, he should be let go now. And that's terrible. And I don't know. Maybe I'm being cynical. It's obviously not okay what he said. Well, it doesn't feel like um, much of this has to do with any company standing up for any values, yeah. really, but rather just making business decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's Um, damage control, and the damage started to outweigh the previous control, so they had to take new measures, which was to sack him. How much of fashion news do you get in in Saudi Arabia, Turkey? I'm sure there's a lot of fashion news, but I have no idea because I don't care about fashion. But, you know, women having, you know, to wear the the, um, the Islamic veil and and the, yeah... Uh, Does it? Do they bedazzle the burqas? Women, women are very fashionable in Saudi Arabia. Trust me on mm. this one. Mm. Very fashionable. So guys, he's just saying that because he's teenagers. Teenagers are very fashionable in Saudi Arabia. Guys, male teenagers. Yeah, but girls are and girls okay. very, yeah. very. So, so the, the that's that's interesting. They actually that's, follow uh, let, the let fashion them, week and all of that is. Uh, let them take off the abaya, the black. Uh, Cover and you'll see what they're wearing underneath. <laughs> they're wearing all the latest things ever, from all from Christian Dior. For, I don't know what all the brands, Versace or whatever, and all of these new uh, Armani and so yeah. on. Everything. All right, funny. Mm. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, the other big thing before we move on quickly to the local uh, stories um, is the Oscars. Obviously, we were discussing whether or not to discuss mm-hmm. them before the show, and it, it's funny. Everyone in the in the uh, on the show was like, "Oscars, eh. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, They were. I mean, I think they were kind of predictable. Um, I personally missed them. I had a, a, a work meeting uh, that evening, so I did not get to see them live. Um, I, I think, I don't know, award shows just annoy me. <laughs> but yeah, the, the question becomes, were they, were these, this edition of the Oscars kind of boring? Or is it the Oscars in general and awards shows in general that are <laughs> losing their um, luster? Yeah, I don't, I don't like them anymore. <laughs> I think there's like a, there's, I think we think there's a perception that there's a disconnect between the Academy and real people. Mm. Um, in terms of what's voted for, why it's voted for, and and things like that. So it's it, I don't mm. know. It just it doesn't seem as relevant. Yeah, I, I was happy yeah. that the Social Network didn't get it. I thought it didn't. Good movie as mm. it is, it didn't warrant. You know, um, it, I'm wondering also if it doesn't harken back to the social media thing because it used to be that this one was one of the huge communal experiences that we had, mm. um, where everyone was together. But now. Everyone's together all the time, so we don't really need that excuse to, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's self-selecting in my Twitter feed or not, but, um, you know, you you normally, when these big shows are on, you're going to see sort of Twitter updates about it. And if it's, I don't know if this is about my Twitter feed and how I select the, or, you know, the people (laughs) I follow, but I generally get more action and buzz um, 
over things like the State of the Union address than the Oscars. Well, given the yeah. fact that Charlie Sheen got a million followers in like two days, it's definitely yeah. the people you choose in your Twitter feed. <laughs> Could be, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, um, it is a, an idea of relevance to me. Um, and also when, it, when you have such rather large events happening in the world, I personally just don't feel the need to give brain space or a whole lot of brain space to things like that at the moment. The King's Speech is a pretty good movie, though. Should see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colin Firth, awesome actor. You know, <laughs> definitely can't dispute that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Natalie Portman, also awesome. I have to say. Yes. Um, yes, but apparently she should be ashamed for being pregnant and in public. What? Oh yeah. There, there was a I don't know Mike Huckabee, one of our uh, maybe presidential runners for upcoming for Republican Party, made some ridiculous comment about her and be, should be should be ashamed for being pregnant or something like that. Incredibly ridiculous. What? She looked amazing, yeah. by the way. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, yeah. I'm not understanding the the comment. <laughs> like, uh, well, Why? she's not. She's is she, not, is she engaged? She's not married yet. Oh, something like oh, yeah. That. Well, in that case, yeah, I agree. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just seemed, it, Patrick, if only you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's she's absolutely amazing. I didn't know, even know she was pregnant, but. Um, hmm. Yeah, Black Swan, also pretty cool. Um, all right, you know what? Let's move on to uh, more local matters. I'm going to go first, if you don't mind, with a uh, mm-hmm. short, a couple of related, very short uh, topics. Um, first of all, the government was reshuffled a little bit um, with the um, Exterior Affairs uh, Ministry uh, being taken away from Michel Alliomarie who had a couple of very unfortunate um, stories come out about her going in Tunisia as the revolts were happening. That story wouldn't go away. And a couple, at first I was like, well, you know, she, she just said, let's help the Tunisian police, the, 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 the revolts, because she was afraid that they would, you know, make a massacre out of it. So if we send our guys who know what they're doing, it would be safer. And I was finding excuses for her. And then it turned out that, you know, she was, she, she went there and her parents had invested in some of uh, uh, the, the, in some shady um, uh, affair company. So it was like, eh, it smells mm. a bit weird now. And so she was sacked. Um And Sarkozy went on TV for a big meetup with the French people where he would actually get interviewed and asked questions by like nine different people from all aspects of society. Um, I thought he was, it, it's striking. There's a strong anti-Sarkozy sentiment in France, but every time I hear him speak, I'm, I'm surprised or happily surprised at how well he seems to speak and understand issues. It might be all show, but he Mm. really makes, when I compare him to other candidates, they are, there is a lot of, you know, empty speeches. And Sarkozy seems like he is saying things that make sense. Now, the matter of whether or not he acts on them, or, you know, a lot of people don't even agree with what he's saying. And, a lot of people say that he doesn't act on them, that these are two different things, but he seems to be very coherent and well-spoken. So that mm. was a little bit interesting. 
And what was most interesting, and I think our audience is going to be uh, uh, interested by this too, was I was surprised by at how much I could hear in the people's questions to Sarkozy, the feeling that the government was responsible for everything that they were asking. You know, they were going to Sarkozy, which is the head of the government, and saying, I have this issue. How are you going to fix it? Even mm-hmm. though in many other countries, and understandably so maybe, in many other countries, these issues would be outside the scope of the, you know, the role of the government. But in France, it, it, I mean, at least in this show, everyone was talking about one specific issue. Obviously, you know, it was talking with the president, but the, the issues they were bringing up were all to be addressed by the government. I don't have specific examples in my mind, but that did strike me as not completely out of place. Obviously, we're in France, but a little bit um, odd because I might have been forgetting about that aspect mm. of life um, in the past few years, maybe. Hmm. So it'd be like in America where like, if somebody asked <laughs> President Obama, hey, uh, the, my, the elementary school in my town doesn't have enough books, what are you going to do about it? Um, no, I wouldn't say so because uh, education is the government's business. But it's mm. more things like, um, you know, we have uh, – I'm sorry, I can't remember the name in English, but uh, uh, yards that build, build ship, shipyards maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and Good conjunction we, there. There you go. We don't have a lot of business anymore. And they, we have be- very famous shipyards in, uh, uh, in the east uh, – I'm sorry, in the west of the country. And one of the guys was a welder at the, the shipyards. And it takes, you know, years of experience and it's a very um, specific type of job. And he had a, a contract that was for a couple of – or three ships that would occupy the yards for the next three years. And after that, there was a lot of uncertainty because – Basically, I I imagine ships are not being built in in France or Europe as much anymore. And he was coming to the president saying, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix this situation? Where I imagine in many other countries you would think, well, yeah, it is a big issue, but it's a structural conjuncture conjuncture problem where ships are maybe not as needed or I don't know what the exact situation is, but it's not necessarily the president's or the government's job to go out and get contracts for your private company, you know, (laughs) right. Um, That kind of thing. Um, All right. I guess there isn't much Mm. to comment about this. I just wanted to, to mention it. Uh, So why are you suing Chirac? Oh, wow. That's a long story. Um, I, I'm not sure I want to get into it now. Uh, basically there were, if that's the one I'm thinking about, there were, uh, jobs that didn't actually exist that were listed. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That, that's been going on forever. Why, why are you talking about it now? Did it come out? I think it's Monday, the court. Oh, is it? I don't even yeah. know. You know, it's been going on for such a long time. I think no one really cares anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Who wants to go next? I'll go with the UK. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest piece of news around here just has to do with the um, the Tory government instigating lots of cuts. We're kind of coming around the budget at this yeah. point. Um, so Tory the, are, are the the evil capitalist guys, right? It's the Conservative government, yeah, and they're they're in a coalition right now with Liberal Democrats um, because neither the Tories nor the Lib Dems managed to get a, a majority. 
Um, so they formed a coalition in order to, um, so they have a coalition government with, um, David Cameron, Tory prime minister, Nick Clegg, um, Lib Dem deputy prime minister. And, um, there's been a lot of disappointment with the Lib Dems because of the, the lack of action or anything. I mean, they just seem to have, um, kind of folded. Seems to be mirroring America entirely. You know, yes, it yes. seems to be a worldwide – it's very interesting that in every country, no matter where the center is, because sometimes the center is in a very different place, the guys to the left seem to be unable to organize themselves and act, yes. and the guys to the right are in marching order bringing Indeed. thunder yeah. and awe around the yeah. country. So there is this Tory government in power, and um, and so they are instigating – they have all these manifestos like Big Society, which is sort of – Um, you know, the, the cynical interpretation of it is why pay for services? We can just make people volunteer to do it um, because it's good for everyone and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, so basically schools, councils, disability allowances, uh, basically everything's getting cut left and right. And um, there are a lot of demonstrations that go on continually around the cuts, anti-cut demonstrations. There's um, particularly a, a large student movement um, doing sort of long-term um, kind of sit-ins and things. They'll be going to banks and sitting in. They, they've been spending a lot of time at Topshop because apparently Topshop doesn't pay their taxes and the government seems to not want to do anything about it. Um, What's Topshop? So um, it's a retail high street store chain. Okay. Um, and, they, and so, yeah, they just sort of been going in and um, – Oh, it's the, I mean, it's literally just sitting on the ground doing things like reading stories out loud and stuff like that. There have been some very violent demonstrations in central London. Um, there were situations where the, back in February, there was a large demonstration where um, police were kettling students. I do believe there was one death um, from that demonstration. Um, there's, and there's a large demonstration that's going to be coming up in um, March, um, they, uh, March 26th, I think where they're, they're basically, um, demonstrating around, um, around the, uh, the, these cuts, there's another government meeting or something, you know, so they, they tend to time themselves around parliament meetings or mm. cabinet meetings and things like that. And, well, wow, um, it seems you're describing total chaos and we haven't even heard of it here. Well, yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if it's total chaos or not. It's hard to tell. The the, the violent demonstrations were definitely wow. Um, I had sort of opted out of showing up because I could see that there was going to be some conflict. So the demonstrations that they had at Trafalgar Square um, were quite violent. There was um, somebody that went and apparently um, Prince Charles was driving by in a car and someone went and attacked and vandalized the car as he What? was driving by. Um, yeah, yeah. Did they know it was Prince Charles <laughs> yes. inside the car? Oh, that is why. <laughs> that is why they did. Um, And yes, there was a big thing about, there is a big issue now about how the police are handling this. Um, there was, there's a feel, there's a general sentiment that the police are using too much force. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. So it's sort of, there are two different kind of stories going along. There's the demonstrations, the fact that there are demonstrations going on, but then there's also the fact that these are, these demonstrations are around kind of speaking out against these huge amounts of cuts that are going on in the government because the England, you know, having lived in both the U.S. and England, um, you know, England has an, an ethos of um, the sort of more, more sort of um, the government providing resource, you know, providing certain things that they don't have in the U.S., like the NHS and things like that, um, which is our, the socialized health care. Um, so it's, It's kind of interesting to be seeing, I think, 
the Tory government is kind of trying to push out of that ethos into something a bit more American. They're looking at privatizing a lot of things. They're actually looking, and there is a pushback. And I'm not quite sure where things will end up. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. But what's interesting for me as um, an American, um, I'm a dual citizen now. I'm a, I'm a citizen of Ireland as well. Um, and that allowed me to vote in the general elections here, um, which was an interesting experience. So I voted Lim Debenant and I'm, you know, also disappointed in them, you know. <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That, uh, that I've never heard about this. Well, ah, I guess maybe I there have was... to provide you some links and yeah. stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. And let's move on to who wants to go last. <laughs> U.S. <laughs> so if the U.S. wants to go last, then it's Turkey's turn. Oh, yeah. I thought he talked about... <laughs> All right. Thing, yeah. So <laughs> let's see. Uh, the biggest news in Saudi has been the return of the king from his... Uh, Ooh, the return of the king. Week. Wait, I think that reminds Wait, me. Wait, did he pass story. the two towers already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you please insert the right theme music at that point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, un- unless there were two towers in Morocco, I, d- I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... So the king was in medical leave, of course. Uh, he had a, an operation in the U.S. Uh, for his back. Then he went to spend some time in Morocco, and he just came back, uh, I think, was it last week or the week before? So, Does he have a tan? Uh, mm, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a huge deal, a lot of celebrations and so on for the return of the king. Uh, other than that, not much. We have the... International yeah, book, book Expo. Right. You're right, yeah. yeah. Jen, you were so, saying he already talked about this. I guess it is yeah. quite... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the new uh, information from the Interior Ministry declaring that uh, demonstrations are absolutely banned and are going to be dealt with. So mm. Dealt with how? Dealt. In any way possible. What does that mean? Uh, we'll beat the shit out of you and put you in a black truck and you'll disappear for a while. <laughs> okay. So a while <laughs> is not forever. Yeah. Well, something like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Turkey. Uh, let's finish us up with Mr. Mr. John. Uh, well, before I get onto the, I've got two, a small story and a big story. Um, I mean, the big story actually parallels very very much so what's happening in Britain. But um, uh, on a little note, the uh, uh, I was driving uh, up through Hartford in, in, uh, around my area, uh, and uh, the, the, you know, they have the digital billboards now um, that mm-hmm. are basically giant LED screens. Um, on it, there was a big FBI wanted uh, with two sketches of the uh, East Coast rapist who has been uh, evading capture for the last, I think, 12 years. Um, Mm. And they I guess the FBI did this massive. They put his face everywhere up and down the East Coast on all these billboards. And um, uh, today uh, they caught him. Oh, Uh, so. So, yeah, they caught him in New Haven, Connecticut. And. they they've got who Wait, they think. Wh- what it, wh- where are you from again? Connecticut. Wh- mm-hmm. Where are you calling from? Is it mm-hmm. some, no? Okay, sorry, that city. I am calling from my cell. In, no, um, <laughs> uh, 
I, uh, so yeah, the, the guy, I guess the, the guy went in for like some sort of like, uh, uh, a court appearance for some small traffic charge or I don't know, whatever it was. Mm. Um, and they used that opportunity to, uh, to get his DNA and stuff like that. And then started comparing him. Now they've arrested him. So 12 years it took them to come up with the yeah. idea to put his face everywhere. <laughs> um, I, am assuming yeah. that they just got some sketches recently or something like that, but it, it does mm-hmm. seem like it's been a long time and how yeah. quickly this worked. Like, it seems like they could have done this sooner, but well, I mm-hmm. imagine, you know, not to take their, their side, but if yeah. they would put the face of every criminal that they're really looking for on the, all the billboards, then, well, I guess maybe they could do that, but uh, you know, it would still feel like a little bit of a weird stuff where everyone's asked all the time to get, you know, I don't want it to be costly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I guess that comes down to the, you know, they, they felt that they, they had to do it. I mean, this, this person has been like raping women all from like, uh, I think from like Delaware or, or no Virginia all the way up to, to Rhode Island. So, yeah. Um, he's been traveling all over the place and coming across for, for a long period of time. So it's, it's good that, you know, they're, they're finally, he's finally off the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay. uh, uh, the, the big story is, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, which oh, I yes. don't, I don't think, uh, I would ever thought that Wisconsin would necessarily be this much in the news for the past month. But, uh, two weeks ago, uh, the governor of Wisconsin, uh, Scott Walker, uh, decided, He's in budget negotiations and decided to uh, uh, to basically try and strip away the collective bargaining rights of all public sector uh, um, unions. Oh, right. I've heard about this. Uh, This is outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's getting, Uh, but it's more outrageous now. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it keeps getting more ridiculous. Um, Yeah. They uh, the, the the entire you know like you started getting protests all over the place. The, uh, um, the in order to stop the vote, the the Democratic uh, there's like I think eight eight or ten 14, Democrats. 14 um, Democrats. Oh, that's right. There's the fourteen. Um, uh, the Democrats have fled the state so that uh, they cannot get quorum. If they get quorum, they can make a vote, um, and they only need one of them to come back. Um, so mm. it's just like big, you know. Uh, like suspenseful, intriguing thing of if one of these people is persuaded to come back, um, they'll mm-hmm. uh, they'll be able to make the vote and the vote will go through. Um, and and there's been all sorts of stuff like somebody prank called the guy and uh, prank called the governor and got him to like spill pretty much his entire plan <laughs> on mm-hmm. uh, and it's and then it was got on YouTube. Um, I mean, th- there's been so many ridiculous stumbles, but I, I think for me the 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 biggest interesting part of the story is is just the history of the guy and, and the sort of like the the this movement in the Republican Party to try and get this done and that they actually thought that this is going to be a big national campaign. And as soon yeah. as it started to turn south, everyone else in the Republican Party started going, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so <laughs> Never it's, mind. So right. it's, it's actually not po- a popular. Yeah. I have oh, one it's hugely unpopular. Yeah. 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 But even What's even the in, the, in the Republican deal? Party. So uh, what was that, um, Turkey? What's the big deal of, com- of comparing that to Egypt and Tunisia? Seriously? I, I, seriously? I, I don't think – I think people are loosely comparing it to, to that. I mean I think we according, have – According 
According to your media, they're not loosely comparing it. How are they? Well, I think the comparison it? lies around the demonstrations. There are yeah. quite a lot of demonstrations going on, and so it seems that this is the, the word du jour. Um, it just happens to be that the demonstrations in places like Egypt and things like that are um, a bit more, well, not a bit more, a lot more intense and about larger, larger issues. Um, however, it's the same mechanism kind of going through there and the demonstrations are there to sort of push political will. And I think that's the, that's the difference of, you know, we're, we have a system where demonstrations are a part of how the system works, Yeah, you know, and free speech is a part of how that works. So, uh, and, and the hope would be that Egypt can get to a point where they can have their demonstrations. They can be peaceful like they were mostly successful in doing about smaller issues, not gigantic issues. And, yeah. and to be able to push, push the, 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 the country's will forward, um, uh, through that and to express your outrage. But, um, so, I mean, I don't think there's a necessarily, a I don't personally think there's a direct correlation between the two, no. but it is interesting that there is a spirit of revolution happening all over the world. Mm. Um, yeah. Someone attained that to solar flares recently. Someone <laughs> I was talking to, cause we're on the 11 year solar flare cycle. And apparently there's a correlation. I, I thought it was a bit confirmation bias myself. So, so, but, you know. so wait, so, this is going to be slightly crude, but the entire world is PMSing. Is that what's happening? <laughs> Something like that. Yes, exactly. Well, maybe we should have that more often then. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that to a woman, though. <laughs> um, oh. I think that, I mean, for me, the interest, as far as like our political parties go, like you talked about how dem- the, the left uh, liberal parties typically tend to not have much they don't have much support these days. They don't have much they, the groundwork. They can't get anything moving. And uh, the the conservative side tends to have uh, um, a lot going behind it. And it, it, it's an interesting dichotomy in our country because it's the, the Republican Party speaks for like it protects a very small percentage of the country. And mm-hmm. then it gets a larger percentage of the company on board through moral issues. Yeah. Um, and so when they start an economic fight, they lose <laughs> yeah. because they don't get the support of those people. You know, the, uh, like they did massive polls and it was like um, the questions were, would you support higher taxes on the, you know, the incredibly rich? Would you support, you know, all, all these things that were basically economic decisions that didn't involve cutting social services. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was something like 68 percent of of the country um, were in support of all these very much non-Republican things. Um, yeah. So it's it's the country when it comes to economy is much more liberal or um, I guess actually much more like Eisenhower era uh, conservative. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it does. It does sort of make sense that the 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 moral issues are so much at the center of the debate, if that is the situation, because that's how you win over, um, you know, the, the, the Republicans would make their hearts. Yeah. The the (laughs) moral issues, the center of the debates to win over the people that they can get through their economic policies. Yeah. For so long, we have had uh, the sort of the, the political, the, the political arguments were about things that cannot be solved. You know, the question yeah. of uh, abortion is a is a fight that will never, ever end. And it's, yeah. there's still a fight that's happening, even though it's legal. So it's it's this very strange, like, you know, get 
get everyone involved in these things and distract them from the fact that we are basically doing everything we can to give more money to the richest people in the, in the country and yep. let, take money away from the middle class and under. Wow, yep. I so wish we had a Republican on the show today. We're, I feel like it we're, would have been awesome. <laughs> we're piling on them with no way for them taken to answer. Forever though, this podcast would be the longest podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's already quite long, so you know what? Yes. I think we should probably let uh, Jen go do the stuff that she has to do. Uh, thank you. And, and close the show down. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show, guys. I think it was extremely interesting. Um, where can the listeners go if they want to hear more about uh, what you guys do on the internet, if there is stuff that you can tell them? Um, John? Um, you can uh, follow me at Twitter at twitter.com slash copperdome. You can also check out other places at uh, – I've got my about.me slash copperdome as well. Um, What's with all the about.me? I like it. It's pretty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, hmm. And uh, you uh, you can also, of course, go to negativecutters.com for my podcast. Excellent. Thank you, John. Uh, Miss Jen. What about you? Um, I can be found on Twitter at Shannon S E I double N E A double N Shannon. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many N's is that? <laughs> Too many. Four. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's a Gaelic name. Anyway, um, you can follow me on Twitter there. Also, I just started a new Twitter account, which is a rather interesting one called Sen Teacher S E N underscore Teacher, um, which is about working with kids with autism, um, which is a endlessly fascinating thing. Um, but yeah, basically that's where you can catch me. I just recently posted a link um, speaking exactly to what um, John was just talking about. Robert Reich, um, who was at one point a um, one on Clinton's cabinet has been writing about the economic policies, how the Republicans right now are um, basically protecting 13 hedge fund managers, which is worth 300,000 teachers' jobs and stuff. Oh, so it's I worth see, checking that, out yeah. that link. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> how how uh, can you give us the Twitter name of the uh, of your Sen teacher? Uh, yep, S E N and then underscore oh, T E A C H E R, Sen okay. teacher. I missed yep. the underscore. Yes. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Turkey, what about you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, and my ID is Saudi, S A U D I. And you can check my blog and podcast at, at, at saudilife.net. And uh, look, look out for in the next episode. It's a little late on my podcast. Unfortunately, there's a lot of work in my office. So it's not quiet enough to record anything yet. I yeah, I didn't check it for um a few weeks. Did you not do a second show after the relaunch? Yeah, I did a second show okay. and I'm working on the third show. I couldn't record it because my studio, which is my office, is being remodeled at the moment. Oh, okay, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, for me, I guess you could go to patrickbeja.com and you will find links to all the shows and uh, social media outlets that I officiate in. And uh, that's going to be it. I will uh, thank everyone again for being here and for listening and will uh, tell you goodbye and see you in a month. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, you want, we're in you want me to do the music? Music? No, you can. Yeah, go ahead. Not bad. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 